0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On the Air.
1: Well on Thursday evenings at 8.30 a new programme called I'm No Longer a Refugee is here on ORFM and of course you can find the podcast from our website too. The uh, program's host, Jean Ali, is here to tell us a little bit about that programme. Um, Jean, uh, welcome to uh, The Morning Show, it's good to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Jeanne, this program talks about your own experience as a refugee. It talks about your time before, during and after. And uh, it makes a point, I think, that perhaps a lot of people miss. And that is that people who have spent time as a refugee are not permanently in that place. There are other aspects to their life that... Uh, are very important including what happens when they move their lives beyond that experience so let's talk a little bit about your own experience for a start tell us uh, about your history and what brought you here to Dunedin
0: well being Kurdish in Middle East is kind of like forbidden (laughs) and the war that's, that's the childhood experience as dealing with being Kurdish and uh, being people being persecuted for being Kurdish, not being able to speak the language. So as a child that went through that, like for example, I talk about the day I was born, uh, my political journey began because they denied my Kurdish name. So imagine 13 years prior becoming a refugee or before the war started. We were, you know, in a difficult situation and struggling. And on a to- cherry on top becoming a refugee, seven years in refugee camp. It's just, there's no words to describe that life. It's just horrible.
1: And we could talk... Yeah. A lot about that. It
0: just not you know. There's l- so many things to talk about. Yeah. It just
1: and it's part of the reason, of course, that you're ease. making this program. But um, to cut a very long and quite complicated story um, a little bit shorter, uh, you were eventually given the opportunity to to find another temporary home, yes. presumably temporary because that I imagine is what you want as a refugee. You always want to be able to return to your homeland.
0: For sure, like every refugee's dream is to go home to the culture, to the natural. You grow up with uh, an environment. It stays with you forever and the language the family the friends you know refugees miss the most or for me personally missed the most is friends i see friends here in new zealand catching up after high school after university after getting married and we missed out on all that like back home when you travel and leave the country your family stay there the neighbors stay there we still stay in touch with our friends and but becoming a refugee is all spread all over the world and coming giving this opportunity to come to New Zealand it's very appreciative, it's safe, it's clean, but it comes with its own issues and struggle. Yeah, right.
1: And, and one of the things that you discovered, your experience, was that that you are no longer considered part of a, a wider family. You are part of a process which offers you limited decisions about where you can go and who you can go with.
0: exactly exactly and first disappointment for me was separate getting separated by Im- immigration from refugee camps from my sibling and many many and with volunteering in new zealand many families going through same wow. for example today's guest speaker will talk about one of their experiences same situation and coming like, we, re- we rejected to come. No disrespect to New Zealand or the people, but we rejected to come to New Zealand in 1994. But then my sibling, again, New Zealand came back, asked for us to go for interview, or the officials in the camp. Then my sibling said, at least it's been three years at least you guys can go and ask for them to come to New Zealand too. But that never happened. Mm.
1: And you've spent a lot of time now away from family. You were able to connect with your parents, but that became complicated too, right?
0: My parents was with me when we came. But because of, like, my mother had a stroke before arriving in Auckland in Hong Kong and that became I decided to look after them and them becoming my first priority and being 70 years old and going through all that war and struggle in their life like they were like 80 90 years old with all kind of pain and old age problems so I had to look after them and made them my priority. But unfortunately, I did not have any support.
1: And where should that support have come from, in your view?
0: Well, I, all I needed, because I couldn't study, and I went to refugee camp and I asked them, I said, I'm becoming paralyzed like my parents. I can't go study. I can't go work. I need some kind of help. And the interpreter came home instead of, you know, just offering, okay, this is a solution for you. You can study online or through distance learning. Insulted my parents saying, "Uh, why don't you let your daughter go to school? Or uh, I have an auntie who used to make herself sick, so we give her attention. So that was a knife in the heart for me because parents to me is God on the earth. And they insulted my parents and from that day I decided to learn to never deal with refugee services.
1: Which is a difficult decision to make because you aren't presented with many other options to negotiate the system.
0: it is difficult but I found my way I found my way two years yes I couldn't study but then I through the study I second third year when I started English I had uh someone coming Lynn Kyle the manager for citizen advice bureau in Otara in Auckland, came visit our class. From that day, I went, saw her in the office. They had training. I'm very grateful, even though my English was limited. But she welcomed me when I said, I want to be a volunteer. And they trained me without seeing me paralyzed because of the language. And that gave me hope and from that day on I was volunteer, helping people without involving with refugee services.
1: The expression you have used about the processes you've been through and your family's experience is that it is a dehumanizing process. Yes. Explain that a little bit more for us.
0: Well, for any human if like refu- like immigration when goes to interview a family in, in camp, they don't think otherwise if the family comes together, it will be less pressure in the future on services. The family can support each other. Like I always say, the only thing keep refugees alive in refugee camps is the family unity and being together. And dividing them from the camp coming here the struggle becomes worse the isolation for anyone is an illness becomes an illness depression anxiety mental health problem
1: there have been other complications for you and your family along the way you've had to necessarily become disconnected from your your ailing parents when they were overseas in Canada. that's I right.
0: took them. Their last wish was to go back to Kurdistan and i I asked the doctors, they gave me letter, they said they can travel. and our first destination was Canada. and they wanted for last time to see my both my brothers in Canada before they back home and they got stuck the first week mom had heart failure and heart surgery and unfortunately I was stateless again and no New Zealand no Canada, no humanitarian services no one helped me even just to put my daughter at school she was 6 years old and thanks to the I decided in the city there was no help, but I decided to go to a little town outside of Edmonton and it was the best decisions and the people there became my family.
1: Ultimately you needed to return to New Zealand?
0: They both in two thousand nineteen both became so unwell, dad with dementia, mum diagnosed with cancer, both I couldn't look after them anymore. So the community interfered with the Ministry of Health uh, t- uh, asking permission to be admitted to hospital. And when they did, because I was one year overstay and I got a call from Border Security, so I thought it's it will be the uh, better for me to go myself than to be stamping my passport and forcing me to get out. I go renew my visa and return and fortunately I couldn't return to them. So humanity in Canada and New Zealand is just a full stop at the end of sentence.
1: So, uh, it's a it is a long story yes. and part of this series I'm no longer a refugee will explore your own experience of that. And we can only just touch on that briefly today. So let's yeah. talk more now about the program itself and the radio show, what you hope to do with it.
0: Well, as the name says, I'm no longer a refugee. Unfortunately, until even now, after 25 years, if I go to a service, they tell me, uh, have you contacted refugee services going for a housing or study or, you know, Work, uh, it's, it's just a crime. I'm, I'm still stateless when they tell me that. So I thought, you know, as I'm studying leadership for change at Otago Polytech, and one of my projects, all my projects is about this mission addressing, highlighting the issues that I've been through and I see people go through every day. And one of my projects is that I'm no longer a refugee, to share my story and share people's guests to come on the show and to see that it's not just me.
1: It's a fascinating series. Um, I want to thank you for taking just a s- small amount of time to talk about it with us on The Morning Show. Uh, but, of course, we can hear much more about Gian's story when we tune in on Thursday nights at 8.30 on 105.4 FM and 15.75 AM. And of course, podcasts from I'm No Longer a Refugee are available online from our website oar.org.nz, also from Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts as well. Uh, Jean, thanks for bringing your story to us and good luck with your continued work.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.